All right, so this pirate walks into a bar with an eye patch, a peg leg, and a hook for a hand. You know, the, the classic a pirate, right? And the bartender notices his leg and says, wow, I, how'd you get that peg leg? And he says, well, it were many years ago. <laughs> I were walking on the deck when a wave swept a shark aboard, and then the shark bit my leg off. Wow, that, yeah, so the, the, the bartender's like, that's really something. Well, what about that hand? And the pirate replies, well, it were many years ago also. I were walking on the deck when another wave swept a killer whale aboard. That whale bit my hand off. <laughs> she did. So the bartender says, oh, well, okay. Wow, that's, that's, what about that eye? And the pirate replies, ah, it were many years ago. I were walking on the deck when a seagull came out of nowhere and pooped in my eye. And the bartender's a little confused, and he goes, and that's what blinded you? No, it was the first day with the hook. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, so uh, it, this is about knowing where you stand, right? You're knowing what, what you have and what to work with at the end of the day. Be careful what you have, you know, the, what you're playing with, as it were, right? And, you know, I'm writing this book, Ari, you know, it's, it's called Atheism Kills. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's, uh, it was a tough slug for a while, but I'm, I'm really kind of getting the final touches in. And what I'm really finding is that this, the overall theme of the whole book is that without purpose, you are leaving yourself open to anything and, and therefore to utter destruction and mayhem as well. Uh, the, the overall theme, if there could be one theme, is that when you don't believe in anything, you don't, when you don't believe in God, you don't believe in nothing, you believe in anything, right? That's the line from J.K. G.K. Chesterton. It's not my line, it's his line, which I, I think is so true. Um, and it's, it's not as if you just calmly just decide, oh, you know, I just don't believe in God. Thank you very much. You can believe in your crazy God, and, and I can believe in the, and not having a God, and, and, and I'll be cool. Don't worry about it. And my whole point is that there are, there's danger in atheism. And so kind of like that joke we just talked about, right, be careful what you have. You, you know, you're holding a hook in your hand and not realizing how dangerous it is, okay? It can literally blind you, so to speak. How's that for blending the joke in with my thing? But, but really, this is why I brought up this particular joke, because it's about understanding the, uh, the, the tools that you have and making sure that you use them wisely. And one of, uh, you know, God is, the notion of God is so powerful that uh, we forget that this is the, the very core center of everything that binds us, that, that it's, it's like the sun. We, we make this analogy all the time. It's like the sun that, uh, you know, around which all the planets circle, one way or the other. You take away the sun and everything floats away and God knows where. And uh, there won't be any light. There won't be any life. Uh, and it'll be a cold, cold place in hell, as it were, uh, when, you, when you spin out of, out of uh, control. So it is with a world without God. Now, the atheist will say, well, come on, Barack, that doesn't, that's not a proof of God. Uh, it, it, that simply says this is why you should believe in God, that somehow it'll give you the comfort to follow some sort of rules, even if, though, even if that reality is not real. You've just created a reality that's comforting to you. To which I say, we can spend hours and hours and days and days proving why God does exist. But that's not the main mission of my book. The main mission of the book is that atheism kills that, that's the thrust and the theme of that book. There have been many books about why there's a God and, and how somebody came to God, which are all wonderful. There are many books uh, about atheism and why there is no God and talking about how great they are and how silly religion is and such like that. But I, I haven't seen too many books about the dangers of atheism itself. And of course, we talk about how the, the 20th century was the most horrific century of all time, and by no coincidence whatsoever, it was also the most godless century of all time. And 
I think that we didn't realize that we, that we had this hook for a hand and that it literally blinded us in the process. And, and we, we became self-destructive in the end. And I, and I love understanding this, Ari, because if we don't understand this, then we end up doing small little nothings. We, we end up having no perspective whatsoever. And I think that in a world where our president, for example, focuses, and I'm talking about Obama at this point, because uh, by the time, you know, just a month from now even, uh, Trump will be president, uh, we, it, it'll be, thank God, that Obama's, it will be out of the picture. Do me a favor. Could you say that again? <laughs> just, I want, uh... A month from now, <laughs> Trump will be in and Obama will be out. One more time. Trump will be in, Obama will be out. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't like how good that would feel. That's right. that, that, <laughs> Anytime you want, just throw that in. Just, you know, you can talk about quadratic equations. Oh, Obama will be present. Thank you. <laughs> it's like one of those, like, you know, you're working really hard on something else, and then you're, oh, yeah, Obama's kind of, he's going to be leaving very soon. Yeah, I like this. I'm going to Disneyland this weekend. That's, That's right. Be fun. It's a reminder. It's a, it just keeps you going, it gives you a little pep in your step. Uh, it's very cute. It reminds me of that, another cute joke that, where this, uh, this guy goes up to uh, the White House, and it's, you know, it, I'll, I'll make it more modern, right? Uh, and now it's the year, it's late 2017. Um, and so Trump has already been president for a few months now. And uh, a guy goes to uh, the White House gate, and uh, he says, I'd like to speak to uh, President Obama, please. And the, the guard says, uh, sir, uh, you know, he's not here anymore. He's, he's not president anymore you understand he lost in the election and now it's president trump and he goes oh, oh right right okay sorry okay take care god bless he goes and comes back a, a day later and he says hi i'd like to speak to president obama uh is he in <laughs> and, and this and the guard says uh, sir like I, I recognize you from yesterday and I, I like i told you yesterday he's no longer the president you got that uh, oh right 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 okay Sorry. <laughs> and he comes back the next day. Same thing. I'd like to speak to President Obama, please. <laughs> and the, and the, the, the Marine Guard is like getting upset. He goes, sir, what is it that I can't get through your thick skull that President Obama is just no longer the president? And the guy says, oh, I, I know that. I just, I just like hearing that. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> So where was I then? Okay, yeah, no, so, so, like, like the president Obama, yeah, Obama, yeah. you know, still president. Uh, you know, he he focuses on such pettiness, right? If if there's one adjective, you know how in Facebook they often say, you know, describe uh, such and such person in one word, right? And you know, if it's if it's a political person like Obama or Clinton, you get you know, asshole or or incompetent or and if they like them, of course, you know, leader or whatever, right? So. But for the word I, I always chose, sometimes I wrote it, sometimes I didn't, I always wrote petty for Obama. Petty, right? Petty, by the way, comes from the French, petit, which means small, right? And, and, and he's small-minded, yeah. Well, Ari's now making a gesture. <laughs> An obscene su gesture. Su Suggesting something else. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he could mean. Small and Caucasian American. All right. <laughs> All right, I'm trying to keep this PG-13 at the, at the most. You're the one who dropped your first <laughs> asshole on this podcast a minute ago. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> it's a whole new world. Uh, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> I, I was referring to other people describing Obama as such way, or, or some other personality. Anyway, we're getting you lost it here. again? I just want to hear it again. <laughs> no, it's not going to work this time, sir. <laughs> Come back another day, sir. But you make such a great point because the analogy is so brilliant. Because what so many people fail to realize when they feel so powerless in their little life is God put a little granule of the life energy force within you. And it's very powerful. A little goes a long way. Right. The fact that we're all alive and that we have consciousness and we have the decision-making ability to do the right thing day in day out gives us an enormous amount of power right. and influence over other people if you would just use it. Right. And use it in the right way. Yeah. Similarly, and it's so perfect, here's Obama. He's president. He's the most powerful. Let me say it again. He, he was the most powerful person on earth as, right. as soon as we had January 21st here. And he chooses to use that power in such petty, useless, counterproductive, and destructive yeah. ways. That's right. 
He could be so great. Right. But he because chooses not to be. Just about everything that he's done, despite its grandiosity, uh, let's take, for example, you know, just because it comes to mind right away, Obamacare, which he no doubt thought was a fantastic, huge, wonderful thing. It actually was a petty policy, pettiness. And, and why do I say that? Because, you know, the, the, at the time, you know, I, I remember my late father-in-law. He was a great man, by the way. Uh, I loved him dearly, and, and we miss him every day. But a very wise man. Uh, but he himself was uh, a liberal. And when Obamacare came down, he was very disappointed. And he said, we have so many other issues to tackle. This is not what we should be tackling. This doesn't make sense. And, and it really confounded him in many ways. And, and I, 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 of course, as a Republican, as a conservative, I thought Obamacare was stupid from the get-go. But I appreciated what he had said because it, it actually emphasized how petty Obamacare was. He was focusing on something that, that really, well, not only was it destructive, would it, would it be destructive for the economy, and I think that the facts have borne that out, but it also, uh, it, it was just relatively meaningless to, to, to focus on that when he should be focusing on the economy and asking the big question, capital B, capital Q, what will it take to get this economy roaring again, right? He didn't even ask that question. Instead, he kind of created crazy notions that somehow Obamacare would be the thing that would help the economy roar again. Crazy little ideas. Again, little with the, literally the word petty. That's what was happening. And it, and it turns out, Ari, that I think every program that the liberals have advanced is, is truly petty in its own way, right? Min, minimum wage, that's, that's a petty program. Think about that, right? We are going to get into the details of every employer's business and, and workplace and enforce how, what, how much he pays his individual employees. At the lowest end, the most insignificant, insignificant. of those employees. Exactly the, right. The people who take out the, the trash and, and uh, clean the toilets. Right. He's not worrying about the people who bring in the big accounts right. and generate the, the new employees and products and industry. It's the little, right. he, he, the he, little he, marginal Right. Things. He treats all the people, all Americans at least, as though they're little children that have to be watched all the time. I mean, you know, look, we, we, you and I are both parents, right? You can... You can see your parents, I mean, hmm. you can be a parent to, let's say you have three or four children, even more, and you could see it as a form of sheer terror, right? Because all the five children are each trying to kill the other or, or you know, set the house on fire one way or the other. How did or, you know? Were you over this afternoon? <laughs> well, you saw I, that? I, I couldn't help but notice. And I thought, wow, this would be a great subject for a podcast. <laughs> and you said, thank God my kids don't do that. <laughs> and I'll use my kids as a comparison. So maybe I should stop. <laughs> Giving them lighters to play with. Well, I think that's, yeah, that's a first, <laughs> that's a simple solution to a complicated problem. <laughs> all right, so you, you have, you know, you could be worrying about this, and, and you could spend all your energy making sure that your little animals, called your children, are not trying to kill each other. And, but wouldn't it be better, I mean, obviously, it's a rhetorical question, as a parent, wouldn't you like to be able to know that your kids are playing on their own just fine? And, you know, yes, they have a quibbles here and there, but they take care of things on their own. You know that they're not going to destroy the house, that there's understandings of what is right and what is wrong, and you leave it. And then you can focus on the big picture. For, in your case, it, it might be doing work, reaching out to friends, uh, saying thank yous when you need to say thank you, and also wondering how you could do God's work in the best way possible. And that's not the way that this Obama administration thinks. It thinks more like the former situation, where they've got to control everyone because, you know, they're all like these crazy monsters that would otherwise run amok and steal everyone else's money, right? And God forbid, might actually hoard it for themselves uh, when, of course, they would actually just plow back into the business. That's another story. It's pettiness about which I'm speaking right now. Pettiness. Even, now, the next thing I can think of that no doubt the liberals would advance as a big, big deal was the Iranian deal, right? But it actually was a very petty deal. Think about that, right? He, he decided that he's going to make sure that the Iranians won't have their nukes or won't be able to use nukes for 10 years, all right? And, and I think it's actually less. And, and after that, well, we'll worry about that when it comes to that, right? 
But for these 10 years, boy, it'll be great. <laughs> it's, I mean, putting aside the naivete of the whole thing, right, that, that yeah, it can't should, possibly work. This should last my two years and Hillary's two terms. And after that, with the Republicans, they were... Kaboom! It's their problem. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Well, I had it on. You could have just continued on that program. Why didn't you, President, whatever, you know, after Hillary? Um, that, that's what the, I think that's what they were actually thinking, that it was a, like a perfect plan. Yeah. Like, like the book, A Simple Plan. Right? right. Everything would work out just great. Nothing can go wrong here. So put yes, that aside. Criminals always share money equally yeah. with no retaliation. Of course. So he, he clearly was not thinking in the big picture. Right? So, therefore, he was petty by definition. And those are the two big things when you think about Obama, right? I mean, his whatever legacy you want to you de- well, describe there, to that, there th- is, th- that's it. There is one more. That's his well, without thing. being cynical. No, I'm not being cynical here. Yeah. I'm being honest. The killing of Osama bin Laden, right? That, that's true. Fair and, enough. And look at the pettiness around the margins of that. Yeah. No, we're not going to release the, the photos. Right. No, we're going to make sure to do a Muslim burial of the most notorious <laughs> terrorist in the history of America, right. one of the great mass murderers of our modern age, and we're going to make sure to have, give him a petty little burial that is Islamically correct. Oh, I see. Even if we didn't do the Islamically correct burial, because uh, you know Muslims don't really aren't known as their as seagoing folks right. for for That's sea right. burials, we're just going to say it. Right. It's, well, it's but, just, but, it, but you're right. right. So the, the, the handling of it all was very petty because um, he, he made it a political uh, event. Because that's all he had actually at the time in 2012. But you know, look, you got to give him credit; he did win the re-election. But he let that carry, and 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 he, even as he processed it, as it was happening, he only wanted to let it happen so long as he knew that the risk of failure was so low, that then then he gave the go, the go sign. No doubt there were opportunities before, but he didn't take them because you know it would be a failure. Yeah, it was almost like, is he dead yet? Yes, sir. Then go ahead, do it. <laughs> Something like that. that's good. Uh, but but and and then you know to say how great it was, but. but Again, that was a moment in time, but it was the ripple effect of how he handled it. That somebody who was not petty, somebody who saw things in the big picture. You know, I'd like to think about that about myself, and I think for yourself. If if you had uh, killed, arranged to kill uh, Bin Laden, can you say as, that again? Yeah. I, I really like that. <laughs> if you arranged to kill Bin Laden uh-huh, yeah. uh, as president, yeah. let's oh, say, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Uh, you know, you would do it, and you would say, "Look, all in a day's work, ma'am." Right. Yeah, that's the way it would be. And then I'd broadcast the pictures every yeah. day at midnight with the national anthem right. playing in the background. M- more to taunt our enemies. Yes. And and this could happen to you, you know, my friends. Will. Will. W- watch out, okay? <laughs> Instead, it's like our, our, you know, it's, he wanted all the attention to point directly at him. Aren't I great? Aren't I great? Yeah. And uh, so that's the pettiness factor there. Then um, think about like Guantanamo. I was about to say the Bergdahl swap. Bergdahl swap, you know, and he wanted to make a rose garden thing, whatever that was all about, right? And then yeah. the hostage swap, and and he had to, uh, to explain all that. Then Benghazi, Benghazi was also a very petty moment when you think about that, right? Because he could have he could have done this the, the correct way, which is to actually support his people. And yes, it would be a real big issue. Uh, and, and there would have been a real big battle. But you know what? That's what Americans do. We fight, and uh, we have collateral damage if we have to. But I think he was so worried about having another Black Hawk Down sort of situation that he wasn't about to get involved that whatsoever. And so he invented this whole petty story. Yeah, which wound up taking down right. Hillary Clinton, of all things. That's right. They blamed Jim Comey, or this. that's yeah. what got her. Right. And, if they, and, 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 yeah. and, and this is the point, uh, another side point, which is liars are by definition petty. That's right. right? That's right. Because, because they, and, and with his popularity and his charisma and on camera, he's a lot of talent there. Uh, all he had to do was go out on those Sunday shows and says, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I was wrong. And if he didn't want to do it then because there was an impending election, okay, the day after the election or the day after his next inauguration, come clean and say, yeah, we lied. We're really sorry. We're coming clean now. Here's the truth. We screwed up. I'm sorry. That's all he had to do. But after his re-election and re-inauguration, he sends out Hillary Clinton for the screeching, what difference does it make at this point yeah. moment in Congress. Yeah. Uh, the pettiness of those lies is just staggering. Right. And, and now the pettiness uh, of the recent, and there's two things I want to talk about, the Middle East situation, the way he's handling it right now toward the end of his term. So we're speaking now late December of 2016. And as you and I suspected... He would be making a push 
And, and I don't I don't consider this one of our greatest predictions because it was just too obvious. No, right? It was two plus two equals four. Right, obvious. right. It was that, sitting right there. That he would do something to sabotage Israel to make it easier for the Palestinians to seek uh, independent statehood. And uh, and by the way, he's still got what uh, twenty five or so days left. I don't want you to say that one again. That's. Yeah. yeah, I like you when saying he's not going to be president. So I don't want to hear about his 25 days. Left. <laughs> All right, that's terrifying. <laughs> that's true. You can do a lot of damage in 25 yeah, that's days. That's a guy walking into a bar fight who has nothing to lose, and those people are really dangerous. Yeah. Well, you know, the good news is that uh, have you taken a look at Obama? Yeah, he's, he doesn't look very dangerous to me from a physical point of view. But no, I, I take your point. Um, never, uh, hmm, never underestimate the power of a petty person. Okay, that the, the damage that they can inflict upon you. That's the, really the point of this part of the podcast, that there is damage and pettiness. Uh, and I say this to my attorneys. I say to uh, anybody that is a friend, I say, be very wary of people who make very little money, but who have a lot of power. Okay, that, that means the people, you know, the, the parking uh, people, the, the police officer uh, who stops you, you don't argue with him. Be kind to him. And first of all, you should be kind to him because he goes through a lot of roughness in his day and uh, his weeks. And, and he's doing God's work. He's enforcing the law. So you should be nice to him anyway. And he could shoot you. Right. So, so why would you argue? Why would you be hostile to a police officer? Right. Here's what you do. You say, oh, you know, and if you really think that you were not speeding, if you truly don't think so, you say, you know, officer, I, I, I appreciate that you're doing what you're, what you're doing. Was I really going uh, 70 miles an hour? I thought I was going 68. Well, sir, I, cl- I clocked in at 70. Okay, I, I, I guess so. I, I can't say that I agree with you, but listen, I understand, and thank you so much for the work that you do. And if you really want to fight it in court, you can. Yeah, okay? don't argue with him there. Yeah. Let his pen do its thing yeah. and hope he just lets you go after 15 minutes. That's right. And, you, and You've had a good day. You've survived the encounter. Exactly. And you say to him, hey, officer, you know, putting this all aside, how are you doing? How's, how's work for you? Yeah, engage him. And, and I do that anyway, regardless of whether it's a person in power or otherwise. Why wouldn't you do that? He's helping your... Anyway, let, let's, let's move on to the, the more important point, which is about pettiness. And, and here is Obama with, with talking about the Middle East. And what does he do toward the very end of his presidency? He, he does this thing where he sticks it to Netanyahu by, by refusing to veto uh, a UN resolution, resolution which condemns Israel. Okay, and, and this is, defies all practice of the United States. The United States has the power of the veto. Any, anytime it wants to veto a resolution, it's done. Okay, but instead, he not only does he allow it to happen, there are now serious questions as to whether or not he actually drafted the resolution. There's no questions. Okay, Not well, at all. It's, it's obvious he did. I sent you the email about that earlier. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it is too, but, but good for now. Yes. Good for now that as late December 2016, we don't fully know all the facts. So let's not jump there. Okay, I, I like to be able to be, you know, what, the one thing we do know for sure, and I think is criminal enough, or criminal is too strong a word, uh, inappropriate and, and petty enough is his refusal to veto that resolution. Why do I say it's petty? Because it served no percentage to America, no percentage to Israel, only hurt the the American-Israel relationship um, and caused a lot of strife, therefore. Uh, And it only helps the enemies of Israel. Right. And and I think your biggest point is it doesn't even help Obama personally. No. It's not like the Saudis are going to pay for him to have his own private jet. That's the equivalent yeah. of Air Force One with gold toilets for the next 20 years because he did this. Right. No, There's but, nothing but, in it for him, but he did right. it anyway. Except for his affinity toward Islam, as uh, we, uh, we yes. talked about many times. Yes. He wants the world to know that he is helping Islam. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know, I, I know. I, listen, guys, I have to play the game of the president. And here in, in these crazy United States, we support Israel. And But don't worry, I'm going to weaken that relationship. While on the one hand, I pretend to be supportive of Israel. And I'll, I'll give them money. You'll see me giving them money and, and, and uh, helping them with military stuff like that. But don't you worry. I'm secretly sabotaging this relationship. That's, right. That's what's happening. Okay? Yeah. And also, did you really expect him to, you know, my liberal friends, did you really expect him to go out there and, be, and, and say dramatically, there's a new sheriff in town. I hate Israel. I'm going to destroy you, Israel. And I'm going to accept uh, or, uh, you know, the Arab enemies of Israel as our, as our new friends. 
Did you really think that that's what it would take, that, that that's how he would reveal himself? Yeah, modern Hitlers who want to do as Hitler did don't get up and give a speech, bust out Mein Kampf and start reading passages of right, it. Right, right. Well, and uh, saying, hey, Hitler was great. Yeah, exactly. They, they don't do that. Well, I mean, not even Hitler did that, right? right? Hitler, he didn't come into power and say, I plan to kill at least six million Jews and, and many more no, millions of others. No, peace and salvation. Yes, of and course. All this sort of goodness of, yes. of, you know, of a better age. And kept it all a secret in the process. If, yeah. I, mean, what I think, think he promised hope and change, actually. Uh, for sure he did. Yeah. For sure he did. And uh, anyway, uh, all that aside, that that's the sort of pettiness that, that we're talking about. And then he did more petty stuff toward the end, didn't he? Um, the, the, the whole the way he got into the uh, Trump election, and now he's commenting on, on that, and then the, the Russian, uh, it, the alleged Russian interference that that he wants to hint had actually altered the election, right? And then he says about the election: Had I been running for president, I would have won. Had I been allowed to, yeah. right? And, yeah, you think that little Pike or Hillary Clinton could steal the election? Of course not. I know how to steal votes. <laughs> well, I I'm mean, in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> that was very funny. That was a good imitation. I'm well, from Chicago. <laughs> you got vocal talent. <laughs> you got to know who's, who your friends are. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So, but that's truly petty, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Have to say this. Well, why would you say that? I mean, look. Let the pundits uh, decide whether or not you would win if you were to uh, run for a third term. But, but again, this is the president that thinks by saying things that it will be so. I mean, even when he had the audacity to tell Trump um, during a meeting uh, recently, I think, uh, you know, lay off on the executive orders. It doesn't work out so well, right? And then the very next day, <laughs> he, signed he signed a major executive order right. to, to stop perma- to create permanent banning of all uh, oil drilling offshore or whatever. I'm just to totally F up. Trump's uh, presidency going forward. Right, because it, it has no bearing. All Trump has to do is sign the document, but it's designed in a way so the day Trump signs that document, the media can say, Obama stopped all this oil drilling, and Trump allowed it because he likes dirty air and water. That's right, just to, sh- just to show that he <laughs> yeah. Wants, yeah, exactly, and, and as a with contrast. The Middle East, with the Middle East, for all we know, and we were joking about before we started the recording today, for all we know, it'll put a war in the first month of, of Trump's presidency, so the media can say, see this warmonger? This is off topic in, in a way, but it, it shows you the pettiness. There's I, I, a- I, I'd like, wait, hold on before you do that. Remember the scene in the end of Star Wars Episode Four, the very first movie that came out, where there's, uh, they're going to the Death Star and... You know that the one, the one, the good guy, rebellion guys, are trying to get out of out of the tunnel, and he can't hold it anymore. And the guy behind him is saying, "Stay on target," <laughs> and he goes, "I can't hold it. Stay on target. I can't. I'm gonna blow. Stay on target, right? Anyway, so I, I admonish you, stay on target. Go. I will. There's there's a <laughs> marijuana derived substance called CBD, that is completely harmless and it's used medicinally. It's totally legal. Until Trump, until Obama banned it the other day. Ah. Now the reason he banned it is so that if Trump wants to unban it, he threatens the you know the conservative people who voted for him, and he creates a situation where this thing was legalized until it's perceived Trump takes office. But Obama made it illegal, not well, right, Trump. Right, exactly. So that right. all these legal, these standard liberal arguments—he's bad. He's a warmonger. He's bad for the environment. He's fighting the war on drugs. Can all be used by the media. Right. And and. But wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. So, so more to your point. But that's the ultimate form of pettiness, isn't it? Right. Is that he is in fact Obama? I'm talking about trying to trip up the Trump presidency as much as possible because, you know, he's not at all thinking about. Um, uh, what's good for America? He's he's only thinking about how to stick it to Trump because he's just so pissed off. Yes, uh, with with Trump and 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 all the things that Trump has said about him. We talk about Trump as as being, you know, sometimes silly and, and narcissistic and and too um, uh, too sensitive, th- thin skinned. But but Obama's gotten beat. <sighs> You know, oh, ten times. It doesn't. Uh, uh, doesn't Trump is a well-worn callus on a professional musician's finger, right. Compared to Obama, right. and That's I right. want to throw in one other piece of of complete pettiness, which is, and Ben Shapiro made this brilliant point about this. You know how Obama is going to hang around Washington so that he can comment on everything that Trump does. Think about how petty this is to do to his own party. 
The leader of the opposition party is the person who responds to the party in power and becomes the go-to voice. Right. But Obama is not in a position to ever run for anything again. And he's been proven to not exactly be um, uh, a kingmaker at all. Right. He hasn't groomed a new bench of Democrat candidates who are young and exciting and dynamic. I mean, Joe Biden, really? <laughs> <laughs> the fake Indian from Boston, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's it. But even they, Focahontas. yeah, Focahontas Warren, mm-hmm. even they will not share, get to be in the spotlight to be the rebuttal voices to whatever Trump policies they disagree with, whatever they are. Instead, Obama is going to be sitting there in Washington, D.C., showing up on MSNBC or CNN to rebut everything Trump does, sucking the air, uh, sucking the oxygen out of the Democrat uh, think space. But but that's that's the nature of pettiness, right? Right. It's pettiness hurts only yourself at the end of the day, right? And in this case, your team, right? Yes. The, The Democratic team. Uh, because uh, what they should be doing is focusing on the, the bigger, loftier picture. Right, the and future, Mr. Gitz. The future, the future, if you remember yeah, Chinatown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is what it's about. And, and Obama's whole focus is about how to, to stick it to other people, right? To, to get his little revenge. Just, just petty jealousies just that, that animate him. And it's been this way throughout his entire administration. Uh, little things like... It's, and again, the word little, there it is, right? Little things like Bibi Netanyahu and the way he gave him a cold uh, shoulder every time he could. There was no, there's no picture that, that I know of, at least, that I've ever seen where Bibi Netanyahu and Obama are both smiling, right? Shaking hands. That is great, hugging, whatever. And, but it's, it's always Obama's, you know, shaking his hand as if he's talking to Stalin. You know, it's, it, it's, it's bizarre. No, no, right? no, no. But no, when it comes uh, Churchill, to... Churchill, Churchill. Yeah, he, right. He'd hug Stalin. That's true. <laughs> uh, no, but, but, but the but, icy but, 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 body on. language. Yeah, right. it's, it's very icy. So that's one thing. And then, of course, sending him through the back door. And even the Dalai Lama, I think he sent through the, the kitchen door with, you know, near the garbage bags and such. I mean, these are meaningful things that he knows are meaningful to the people who are observing them. Uh, or who are experiencing them. This is a tremendous insult to these people. But, you know, great credit to the Dalai Lama. He, he didn't bring it up because he, he, he was above that, right? right. He, he was trying to stick it to the, the Dalai Lama because I think that he had some sort of animus against the Dalai Lama and Buddhism, generally speaking, because it's not Islam, don't you know? And then uh, this, these, these little... <laughs> you like that? Yes. Can you say that one again? <laughs> I like that one. All right. Yeah, but, and you're so right because these acts of pettiness don't make the person you're being petty and mean to look bad. It makes you look bad. Oh, yeah. makes you look really, really, really right. small. Like little girl small. <laughs> little girl small. Do you remember how many times... And we, we brought this up, uh, I think, once uh, in, in our podcasts before... He always says, I, me, mine, right? I mean, like the George Harrison song, I, me, mine. Yeah. Um, it's like, on my orders, I killed Bin Laden. Uh, you know, at my instruction, I, everything's my, my, my. Like, we get it. <laughs> you were the president. You were responsible for this, sir. I got it. Okay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I'm going to do this. And it's just, I, like, <laughs> it, it's so petty. There's that word again. Yeah. Like, but, but a, 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 um, a magnanimous person. What do they say? They always say. I mean, Reagan was that way. In my brother's movie, Killing Reagan, one of the very nice things in the very beginning of the movie is you see Ronald Reagan coming into the, the, the Oval Office for the first time. And he has a placard. And the placard uh, is a quote that he always loved. And he reads it out aloud to his group, including Nancy and Alexander Hagen, a couple of other people. And he says, there's some, I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, there's no telling how far a man can get so long as he is happy to give credit to others, right? That's right. And it's so true. And and on this team, my law firm, and, and again, I'm not, I don't even want to talk about my law firm. I, Make sure I, you give out the phone number. Yeah. That's right. And that's 826. <laughs> <Right>. no. <laughs> I, I won't even talk. No, but just the great teams, you know, the, sports teams, let's put it this way, okay? Because I, I adopt the same thing that sports teams do. You know, when you hear a quarterback who won the Super Bowl now being interviewed in front of ESPN and other stations, they don't say, you know, I threw a really great, you know, this game was won because of that great pass that I made and that or that I caught. And, uh, you know, I saw where that it wasn't I, I, I it's, you know, like we were there. We just had a really great day. Um, you know, the 
the, the, the Patriots uh, gave us a good run for our money and such like it was really an honor to fight against them. Uh, you know, just thanks to the to the great defense of our men, and uh, we just can't do it together. But sir, you know, you are a great quarterback today. You really seem to be on fire, ma'am. It's it, this is a team effort. Yeah, I'm you nothing know? without my receivers. Without yeah. the our receivers and, and, making and, catches. Yeah, and thanks to Coach Whoever, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, gosh golly, I mean, he's he's taken us now to the Super Bowl three times, and uh, you, you know that's what good coaching is all about. Um, and and you know, with the help of God as well, that's what. That's the opposite of petty. That's magnanimous. You you give it all away, and everyone knows it, and everyone knows that you're really the leader of it, yeah. right? And, 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 it's, so, and this is this is the way to do it, my friends. If you want to look magnanimous, then give it all away. That's what you do. You give all the credit to somebody else, and and, I, and, and you know what? In my firm, everyone else does deserve it. Okay, I'm I'm good at a couple of things. You know, I I, I you know. I think uh, I've got good relationships and I can bring in clients and such. But you know what? And I'm good at strategy. I employ my chess. But if it weren't for my partner, Michelle, and if it weren't for my associate, Armin and Brent, and and, the, and my staff, who's fantastic, I, we would, I mean, there's no way I would do as well as we're doing. I mean, it's a team. I guess my skill is I choose good people. That's what, that's my skill. And you know, of all the skills in life. That's not a bad that's skill. That's the most important, really. <laughs> that's right. So that's okay. the only time because, I'll say I, I right. right there. And, and, I can choose good people. Right, have, but even then, even then, Ari, I, I will ask Michelle what she thinks about a, a prospective new hire. Like, and, and she'll say, oh, but you need to think about this. You need to think. And you know what? She's right. And so I have to, th- I have to thank her even for that. I can't even take full credit for that. And I'm glad that I don't take full I don't need that credit. No, there's only one piece of credit most successful men should take credit for, which is I asked the right woman to marry me. There you go. But she's the one who said yes. Right. Well, but she'll also yeah. tell you that she's the one who chose you at the end of the day. And that's that's because that's the reality, Ari. They, oh, choo- they choose us. Of course. We don't choose them. We right. think we think we choose them. Right, but we were open to the right person. That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay. We, we were wise enough that, to say yes. Other than that, we deserve no credit in life. Yeah. And basically, it's uh, and I know this for myself. And you know, it's it sounds laughable and stereotypical, but it's true of us. You know, stupid carnivorous men. Take me now, which is um, uh, we were smart enough not to make the most important decision a stupid one. Right, that's right. And everything else <laughs> flows from there. Right. But you're absolutely right. And it, it, the funniest, and this is an amazing sports analogy about Obama, there's no sport more individualistic, if you will, than, than golf. Because in golf, uh, there's no driver with a pit crew right. between gas and yeah, the car. That's true. There is a golfer. Right. And, and if he and doesn't hit the shots... He's playing against himself. Right. The, the, the other person is yeah. not altering. Most, is not altering his game. Yes, and most golfers give credit to the other players who challenge them. The caddy, you know, the 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 coach who got them there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, even yeah, that's so even true. golfers. Sh- and Obama's has proven his favorite sport seems to be golf because he does a lot <laughs> and of even it. Then. I keep telling all conservatives we should have <laughs> wished he played more. Right. Right. Every day would have been an even better presidency. But he doesn't even give people credit in his golf. I know. <laughs> he can't even do that. Yeah, it's it's a shame. And for whatever reason, that's in his past. But it's a it's just a classic. Pettiness is dangerous. And pettiness leads you away from God at the end of the day. And and here's the beauty of it. When you really do have God in your life, it, it's like, I don't know what the best way to explain this. Um, have you ever had like a, a computer problem and it just seems to be... You know, nowhere your computer is just totally suffering. No, then, no, I'm an expert. I don't. But then, I, but the, I don't have this. Of course, <laughs> of course, you have, right? Of course. And then you discover there's this one, maybe a virus in there, or something's blocking the, the Wi-Fi or something. And then suddenly your computer goes boom. You know, it's it's just fantastic. Yeah. And you enjoy it. It's like a completely new computer, and everything's great. Yeah, it's, a, it's like the Millennium Falcon when they fix the hyperdrive. It just a, shoots across just shoots the across. galaxy. It's, it's wonderful. Automatically. And. And it's a, it's a poor analogy, I think, because uh, but it's the feeling I want to explain that everything falls into place when you have God in your life. It's like all the nonsense just goes away. You, you're able to say, well, for example, uh, if if I were Obama and I, and, and I were truly a believer in God, in other words, if I were a conservative Obama, uh, I would wish the best for Trump. I would know if the, the 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 analogy or sorry the the demand would be, what does God want from me? God wants me to make America great. 
and to work with the next president, even though my party lost to, to them. I want to do whatever I can to help this next president. That's, that's the, 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 the gist of it. That, and that would be so, so clear. And he wouldn't set little traps inside the White House, you know, little kind of, you know. I know, I'm going to hide gum underneath the mattress. That's right. That's right. <laughs> It'll yeah. be there for weeks. Like, little little forget-me-nots throughout the White House, right? And, you know, maybe he put little feces in the wall or something yeah. like that. Hey, who knows, right? I'm okay. not saying that he would do that, but I, 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 I wouldn't put beyond. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't put some things beyond him. That, yeah. that little forget-me-nots throughout the White House to make life a little bit more unpleasant for Trump, at least in the first few months. And, and certainly he's doing it uh, in, in the political realm to make it very difficult for him to actually move forward. But if, he, if Obama really had God in his life, all that would wash away. Pettiness is just not part of the, God's plan. Because you would ask yourself, what do you want God from me? And right away the answer would come, don't do that. That's, you're wasting your time. Here. So you agree Allah is not God then? I agree. <laughs> okay, he, he definitely has Allah in his life. Well, or an affinity for Allah. He have, he's an affinity for yeah. Allah. And, and you make it's it's such a great thing you just said. And you know, I've held this for some time that there is a difference between the parties. Even when Republicans get a crappy establishment turd candidate, right? And that's a technical term. I've used it many times on this this podcast for you. Uh, he helps grease the wheels for the incoming Democrat when the transition of power occurs. That's right. Bush did nothing but roll out the red carpet, red, white, and green. Uh, red, white, red, and blue. White, no, red, white, <laughs> red, green, and black carpet. Oh, for, I see. Um, muscle colors. I see. Right. Uh, for Obama and help him do everything he could to, to make the transition into his administration easy. Right. Clinton's people vandalized the White House and stole all this stuff. Of course. Yeah, and they thought they were being so clever by taking out the W's from the from the keyboards right, and stuff like we'll that. I know we'll break the office equipment yeah, without regard clever. that that belongs to the taxpayers. Yeah, that's yeah. going to cost money, not Bush's money, people's money to replace. And and they did it. And instead of it being a, a one-time event, the Democrat administration is doing it again. And I don't know if he'll vandalize the T's on the computer keyboards. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He's let, doing worse stuff this. Let time. me tell you a story. Uh, in my own personal life, um, and, and how I responded to it. And I'm happy the way I responded to it. Um, somebody did something. He scheduled an event for our kids uh, that was very inconvenient for me. And he knew that it was inconvenient for me. And uh, he still wanted to, to schedule it on that particular day. Okay? We'll call it on a Thursday. And it didn't. It didn't, uh, and what he did was he got all the other fathers in, in, of the school to agree to this without involving me, without putting me on the email chain, such that by the time <clears throat> that he got all the people saying, yeah, that Thursday works great, and he, knowing that it didn't work for me, he then turned to me and he said, you know, oh, you know, uh, hey, it looks like the consensus is that everyone is there. So everyone's there? And I... And they didn't know that it was inconvenient for me because they might have actually changed everything. So they, they never heard my voice. So I thought it was very unfortunate that he had done this, you know, because he, he was doing something for himself. I'm not saying it's petty on his part. On the contrary, um, he just wanted to schedule things that was convenient for him and kind of oust me on this. And I thought to myself, how do I respond to this? Uh, do I respond to it by sending out an email blast saying, hey, you know, I just want you to know, we'll call him John, that John... Uh, you know, ousted me from this whole email process and I was left out and, you know, and I could be angry and show little smirks at him for the rest of the, of the school year no, and such no, like no. that. No, You cut the brake line on his car. <laughs> or do that, I guess. <laughs> Just don't talk about it. Oh, whoops. <laughs> this podcast has gone the wrong direction. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Um, <laughs> let, let's cut him off. Um, anyway, so, so, but what I did is, is, is I instead pretended as if it didn't happen. And I called up John, this, this father, and I said, hey, let's get the boys together. Um, hey, you, you guys available around Christmas time? Um, you know, it would be great to see you guys. How's, how's the family? How was New York, you know, for your trip? And, and it's, you know, it's really funny to see, you know, they responded nicely. And it's like, I've, I'm above the whole process, and they feel really low on the process. Yeah. Right? And, and that's, it's not that I'm, I want them to feel low. I, I just don't want to feel low. I, I want to feel above this. So I know... Getting some good revenge doesn't hurt either. 
Like well, give uh, him some really nice wine. The funny thing guests. is, it is revenge. <laughs> yeah. It is revenge yeah. in a way, without doing, without being petty about it yes. in the process like that. It, they're only, what's the what's the expression? They're, they're like in kung fu. They always say that they use the person's momentum against him, right? Yeah. And that's what what I was doing. His own pettiness is now going to kind of, you know, uh, uh, reflect back on him, and and he's going to be feel like a fool. And I anticipate that he will come to me and say, "Listen, I, I think there was, uh, you know, it was unfortunate the way you know I handled this whole thing, and so sorry about that." And I'll say, "Oh, don't worry about it. I totally forgot about it." Although, of course, I didn't, <laughs> right? But I but I did ask myself the question: What does God want from me on this whole thing, and how shall I respond to this? And I thought, no, don't be petty. That's I, for sure. That was not the answer. And then once I I saw that, then the 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 real answer came, which is ah, invite him over. That changed everything, and it's such a beautiful response, right? It, it just you know it can only help. It makes us look magnanimous, um, and that we're not petty people at the well, same time. Well, but that's that's not a a. a that's not an approach that this administration has ever taken. No, and and I. It's, it's off the main topic of, of the subject we're discussing, but what's so important about it is we talk so often about the core of conservatism uh-huh. being a self-regulating mm-hmm. um, kind of thing. where right. not, Rather than having the government regulate you, regulate right. yourself, yes. right? Yes. And nothing regulates yourself. Like experiencing pain that you yourself know that's in your own consciousness, yeah. that's in your own guilt centers, that then regulates you for the future. And the most effective way of, about that is knowing deep down inside, oh, I hurt someone who I really care about. Yeah. I'm never going to hurt them again. They, and regulating yourself. And that's what this guy, the situation he's in, he knows he hurt you that time. He knows he did something really just stupid and useless. And oh my God, this man is so kind to me. Why did his the yeah. analogy is like, imagine you're at someone's house, right? Right. And um, you see their wallet there or something. And you snatch $5 out of their wallet. Right. Just because you can. Right. right? Or if I get away with this. Ah, there we go. And then the guy goes on to be the person in life who's responsible for you being as wealthy as you are. <laughs> That's and right. Like, Why did I do that? Why did that? I do that? Yeah. Why? And you know what I mean? And it's like it will regulate his relationships with the person the violation happens. But let's, let's talk about all other. In other words, it makes him a better person to the future and not petty. At the end of the day, there's nothing like making you a capitalist society, a free market society, a non-regulated society makes everyone more accountable by definition, right? If, if somebody's got to be in charge, and if it's God in charge, well, then so be it. But if, if you know that you're responsible for your own wealth and your own protection and otherwise, you will tend not to be petty, right? The, the thing that my dad used to tell me about um, the, the Israel of the old days, not, not so much now because it's really changed a lot. It's gone from a socialist country, almost a pure socialist country, to a much more free market society. But he was talking about the old days. And this is true for all socialist countries. What, what ends up happening is that all these, um, all the people that, that live in socialist countries, they all end up trying to work the system, right? Yeah. They do these tiny little things. And we'll, we'll refer to this, we'll use Form I-52 in order, and claim it as such and such, not, not even from a tax point of view, We'll, we'll do this, and then we'll say this, and we'll say that, and then, and then we'll move this movement over here, and we'll call it this, and we'll call it. And it's all so petty. Yeah, right? it'll, get a, it'll give me an extra ration card. Right, exactly <laughs> right. Know? Yeah, and, and now i got two. And I, exactly, <laughs> you know, that's a good point. Uh, I'll get my telephone faster, you know, <laughs> than, than ever. But, but that's what socialism does, because it, it tells you these are the rules, and, so, and then people try to, you know, kind of jockey for a little bit, a slight improvement in, in those rules in terms of what they get. They, that, that's what I hate about socialism, is that it makes everyone petty. Okay? And the same thing is true for the, the Byzantine tax code that we have. Right? It makes everyone petty yet again. Oh, you know, like I, I gave uh, a dollar to this charity. I want to write that off. You know, like, oh. And you, so, so you spend all this time on petty details, whereas you really should be just sending the big picture, which ironically should be in a small postcard. Right? This is how much money I made. Here's the flat tax rate. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. But we don't have anything like that. That's big picture thinking. 
but no, no, everything is going to be so like nuanced and, and they, they have to talk about these tiny little details. And, and if you, and if you have, um, I think it's more than 5% of, if you own 5% more or more of a particular company stock, you have to report it to the IRS and you have to report it to the Securities and Exchange Commission and you have to announce it a certain way and like, okay, so everyone makes sure that they have 4.99%, right? And then, but they have a, a different kind of holding and it's just, really, is this the way you want to live? You get so busy focusing on these nonsensical details that are all man-made details, right? Right. They're not, and, and, and they have these names yeah. called 10B5 and, and, and so on like that, that mean nothing, nothing. And you're focusing on these man-made rules when you really should be focusing on, on the big picture, which is, God, what do you want from me? How can I innovate? How can I make my neighborhood better? How can I make my state better? How can I make my country better? How can I make my children the best children and, and, and do your work even further? How can I raise them the best? How can I bring out the best in creativity for everyone? How can I make even the stranger's life more pleasant for himself? That's what you should all be focusing, but we don't do that. That's not, we never ask that question, what does God want from us? Well, because we, we don't have time, yeah. because we don't have the time. Right. We're so bogged down in these stupid details. We, we, it's, so, it's like we're all little Obamas, you know, yes. <laughs> thinking about you know, how to jockey for a position and, and make sure that everyone likes us a certain way and, and, and that we don't lose this much money and, and you know, we get you know, 5% more on our return from our bank account because, it, because we invested in this IRA versus that, uh, that, that uh, Roth IRA and all that stuff. It's like really, I just like I can't believe that I'm wasting my time on this. And, yeah, and think about you started with Obamacare as one of his great achievements. Yeah. Think about the goal of Obamacare. If you like your plan, you can keep your plan. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. I have talked before about the vision, the small petty vision of Obama, right? Right, right. So Kennedy, within ten years before the decade is out, we will walk on the moon. Obama. If you like your doctor, you can keep him. <laughs> and he's passing you to a gigantic health care plan. You would think the selling point wouldn't be if you like your doctor, you can keep him. It's, you know what? Screw your doctor. You will get a doctor with gold-plated wings like an angel. Right. Yeah. You will get a You'll plan. get a better doctor. You, you won't need a plan because a plan will, will be falling into your hands yes. and it'll be worth billions. You will be rich and successful and beautiful and women will want to have, you know, what with you? I mean... But, 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 but the, 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 these the are, promises are even petty. That the, the promises are certainly petty, but it's, you don't even have to go there, Ari. The, the, the bill itself was 2,700 pages long. There's no way they can... It, what sort of grandiose scheme can it possibly have? It, every single page is petty. And yeah. this is the, you know, this is the, the way, and, and you will, shall report to this file clerk who in turn will, <laughs> right. in a three-panel three, a three panel committee to decide whether or not this is appropriate as a care. Like, really? This is like... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Cubicles and photocopies right. and triplicates. Well, this is why so many doctors don't, don't like medicine anymore and, and why they're not going into medical school anymore because they don't want to be petty. They, they've, you know, when you, when you, in the old days, when you wanted to be a doctor, it's because you wanted to heal people. That's why. Thank you very much. They don't want to, they don't say, hey, you know, when I, when I go uh, to college and then to graduate school, I want to go to medical school so I can sign out papers in triplicate and have arguments with insurance carriers and then now the government bureaucracy. And I can't wait for that, right? <laughs> I've, always, I've, always, right. I've always dreamed of being on hold for 45 <laughs> That's right. with a large corporation. That's right, yeah. In personal customer service department. That's right. It's what I've always dreamed. Nothing but being on hold and filling out paperwork. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Healing the sick. Who cares? <laughs> you know, and it's, it's funny because as a lawyer, you, you're... Your vision as a um, whatever you want to do, like as a little kid, maybe you wanted to be an astronaut. I did, okay. And so my vision was, I'm going to be in a spaceship, and now here I go to the moon, or maybe even better yet, to Mars. And you see yourself, and the world is watching, and or piloting an X-wing fighter and blowing up the Death Star. Yeah, yeah. something like that. <laughs> it's really cool stuff. So you, you envision this, and then the reality, you know, comes in, and there's a lot of well, it turns out you got to learn a lot of math. <laughs> right, lots of math. <laughs> And, By hand, long and, division. Yeah, and, and <laughs> most of your work, to the extent that you have anything, is going to be on Earth. You're not going to be in space that much. Effectively, a very small proportion of your life. Or my favorite part, what? No window? Nope, no window. What do you need a window for? Your job is at the switch. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but, but, and then, then as a lawyer, for example, my, my own thinking about being a lawyer was, okay, I, I see myself in court, right? And I'm arguing against the, 
you know, the big evil man or, you know, in the old days, the big bad corporation. But I didn't, you know, that's not the way I thought. I, I always thought about, like, you know, doing the right thing for, the, for my client who was in the right and that guy was in the wrong, right? And you see the jury in your mind and you see the judge and he's nodding your head agreeing with you fully. And you've briefed this fully and uh, you've got great information and evidence against him. Uh, but then the practice of law is different, right? A, a lot of it is about, you know, getting to make sure the bills get out, uh, make sure that you send confirming emails to opposing counsel, sometimes to your client, uh, dealing with, um, you know, regulatory agencies all the time. It's not everything that it's cracked up to be, right? Or at least it doesn't match your, your imagination. But I will say this for the law. It's a hell of a lot closer to your imagination than what medicine is to your imagination, right? And I, I think most doctors say, at what point do I actually get to sit down and be a, you know, a physician and actually help people? And because and when they actually do get, they have to jam all these people in because they only make like 10 bucks per, per head. And so they don't even get time to have that glorious moment where they're saying, I don't, you know, take two pills and call me in the morning, right? I mean, and, and say it with meaning. There's no bed, there's no time for bedside manner. That's why they that's why they went into medicine in the first place. Uh, well, whatever it might be. I mean, even a rock and roll star. I mean, it's it's, it's a lot of rock and roll is uh, is about business or long bus rides. Long, long bus rides. Yeah. <laughs> hoping that somebody will pay attention to you. You know, hoping that no one will steal your music. Hoping that your your drummer doesn't get high and, and die on you, <laughs> right? right? Or, or die of spontaneous combustion. <laughs> Happens all the time. <laughs> right. Or anyway. the guitar player sleeping with your wife. You right. Know? <laughs> but but that's what. But that's the vision. See, this yeah. is why. Because all of it, you can get drowned out in pettiness. And that's what socialism offers, is pettiness, day in and day out. Nothing more. Okay, so it, it, the, the, the promise of socialism, you, you like in utopia, right? You have this vision, just like I talked to you about the astronaut kid, right? The kid who wanted to be an astronaut. The, the promise of utopia, you see all these people riding in their bike lanes saying, hello, how are you? But, you know, they're not allowed to wave because the laws require them to have their hands at the handlebars at all times. Thank you very much. And you have to wear, you know, these kind of bubble wrap uh, helmets and everything else. But nonetheless, you, you see this in your mind and everything is moving and flowing just so because, well, we've eliminated all accidents. We've eliminated all uh, individuality. Everyone is the same. Everyone's gotten on board. And uh, finally, we're all happy. Thank you. Um, it, but that's, that's the vision. But of course, the reality is very different. It's all about you know, intricacies of, of boring, petty details, uh, compliance officers that kind of bog down your business. You don't have time for the bike ride because, well, frankly, you've just got to fill out every single paper in triplicate, if not more. And, and that's the life that, that Obama has presented to the country for the past eight years. How much more paperwork can we do for you, sir? Right? You've, you've sucked out all the vitality of America, whether that's in climate change legislation or drought restrictions or dietary restrictions. And I say that as a vegan. I, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm a vegan, but I, I would never impose anyone to not eat meat, to not have their bread and butter. You, you, wanna, you wanna eat unhealthy? God bless you. That's, it's your choice. Not mine. Uh, Just like, it's so crazy. But they impose these things on you and you have to watch what you say now. Every little thing is so petty. You can't say, you have to watch out whether you say African-American versus black, right? There's a a hesitancy among everyone. A famous celebrity just today got in trouble for calling a famous actress who's no longer with us pretty. So, So what are you supposed to say? I, apparently, you're just supposed to say she's, uh, if you know your South Park, um, <laughs> beautiful and brave. I guess so. Or or stunning and brave. I think that was the. South Maybe you could say joke. elegant. I don't know. Right. But that, that's the point. You have to watch your words, even. Yeah. And the the words, you know, when, when you start tripping up on your own words, then you really, truly can have no. No freedom of, of true expression. You cannot reach God at all when you're constantly wondering whether what you're saying might be offensive to somebody. This is, as they said in that placard, to, to hell with your freedom because you take it away and you can easily take it away with all the petty rules and regulations that you're imposing. So as we say goodbye to Obama, 
uh, we, or shall I say, good riddance to Obama. Say that again. <laughs> good riddance, Obama. <laughs> I, I, I'm here to please. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, we marvel at your pettiness. And that is why we call this podcast the, the Petty Presidency. Okay, that's, that's why. You, you've elevated it to a different level. Thank you for showing us how destructive pettiness can be. Thanks a lot. We'll talk with you next week.